today we're not going to go into groups. I know you're very disappointed. But don't worry, next week, as the Holy Spirit leads, uh, we, will, we will conclude, all right? But what we are going to do is we're going to hear what God has to say. And then after that, we're going to see if the Lord will give us opportunity to do further ministry. All right? So, Lindsay, come and take your liberty. Let's give her a hand. Morning. Well, no, afternoon, afternoon. It's quarter past 12. Um, wow, wasn't that good? Isn't it amazing when God turns up and God does stuff and we, you know, enjoy his presence? That for me is uh, the pinnacle of life. I just absolutely love ministry. You can take everything else, but just to encounter God's presence and just to, uh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Okay, so anyway, we are now on week nine. So it is why and how we should tell others, okay? Why and how we should tell others. So we are going to start this morning with uh, why. With why we should tell others, okay? Well, hopefully, after this morning's experience, we all know that it's good news, okay? Hopefully we know that we should tell other people because it's good news. Um, if you get good news, you want to share it with people. I, I don't know about you, but um, I'm always, if something exciting has happened or if something good is going on in my life I'm a talker I want to let people know you know nowadays we might post things on Facebook we might um, share things uh, with our friends we might um, send emails out but if there's good news we want to share it with people so Jesus said in John 10 verse 10 the thief comes only in order to steal kill and to destroy I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows, all right? And that last bit, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows, all right? That for me was, the, was kind of the word that I received this morning for people, that God wants to come and bring us an abundant life, a life of joy, a life of peace, a life of hope, a life of an eternal promise, a life that is good, a life that is exciting, a life that is free, not a limited life. The enemy wants us to have small things in our life. The enemy wants to restrict. The enemy wants us to have a ceiling on our life. But God wants to come and lift the ceiling and say, I give you something abundant, something that you have not even dreamed of. Um, there's a scripture that says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived that which God has prepared for those that love him. All right. And we have this opportunity to have this amazing life in Jesus. So, um, yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> so before I was a Christian, I had no peace. I don't know about you, you know, but I had absolutely zero peace. I was a bit of a mess. I had no direction. Um, I was 21 when I became a Christian. I grew up in a pub. So, um, you know, you can imagine that it's challenges. Not that my parents were always in the pub. We lived in the pub, right? They were landlords. So um, I grew up there. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was interesting at times, fun at times, interesting at times, sad at other times. But I had no peace. And um, I met these two guys who were Christians. I, I moved away and I, I moved to Brixton. 
and there were these two Christian guys who moved into the flat below me. I had hoped that they were into uh, clubbing and things that I was into, <coughs> but uh, I saw a fish on the back of their, uh, of their car, and I thought, okay, he's either a Piscean or a Christian. <laughs> And uh, they turned out to be Christians. And um, as I got to know them, they were so good to me. They were so kind. They just completely loved me for me. There was no strings attached. They just wanted to be my friend and just to enjoy me. And that, for me, totally revolutionized my my life. They um, had a piece about them that I didn't have. I remember once um, I was strapped for cash and it was payday, I suppose, in two weeks or something. And I was really, 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 really annoyed. And I was grumpy and um, stressed out about it. And I remember the other guy said, oh, you know, I'm skint as well. I haven't got any money till, I don't know, such and such. And I thought, but he was just really cool about it. He's just really chilled. And I thought, wow, there's something about these guys that gives them a peace, even in the midst of problems, in the midst of challenge, there is a peace that they have that I need. And I didn't have that. And so we need that. Jesus offers peace, joy, love. Surely that is good news. Yeah? Good. Oh, that's a strong amen. Thank you. (laughs) So I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, I wanted to tell everybody, okay? probably to um, everybody else's detriment, I went a bit mental about it, like I was a bit sort of in your face. You, you, you may gather that. But um, I would run up to people and just tell them about Jesus. I would carry a Bible around in my bag. So as I was walking around the streets, um, just if I saw someone, that I could just give them a word from my Bible, right? I didn't really know anything about Christianity. Um, my theology was completely off. And I thought some very, very crazy things. But I had this heart and passion because I'd been touched by the love of Jesus. I'd encountered his presence. And I knew that I was loved in a way that transformed me. And I just wanted to share it with everybody. Okay? In pubs too. Probably when I drank more than I should. Uh, As I said, my character wasn't up to scratch with where I should have been. But I had a passion and I had a desire to communicate that love. Um, So I did Alpha when I was was 21. And I'd already become a Christian at that point. And much to everybody else's frustration in the small group, I was trying to convince them. Okay? And obviously, those of us that have done the Alpha training, we all know that that is wrong. Okay? (laughs) We ask tentative questions. Okay? But I was just like, no, you just have to believe in Jesus. And I think I really, really annoyed the rest of the group. So I was a bit too full on about the whole thing, but my heart was in the right place. Um, in fact, in the pub that uh, I was living at, um, I went back to live there for a while, and my parents and some of the, and some of the people in the pub thought that I joined a cult because I was so sort of full on about the whole thing. They were just a little bit worried, like, what on earth has happened to Lindsay? Why is she going mental about Jesus all the time? But it's because it was good news to me. It was good news for my life. Um, I'd come from a mess, and I was brought into this, this great experience. Secondly, why do we do this? All right, well, you might still be deciding what you think about God. You might be attending Alpha and you might be thinking, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I think, what I feel about this whole God thing. Um, but if you call yourself a Christian, we're told by Jesus to go. Okay, That's the second reason we have to tell people. 
Go appears, according to Nicky Gumble. so if this is wrong, blame him, not me. Um, 1,514 times Go is mentioned in the Bible. So this seems to be quite important, really, doesn't it? Uh, the Great Commission, this is our instruction that Jesus gave to the disciples after his death and resurrection. That's in Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that's our mandate. It's what we're told to do. It's the instruction we get from Jesus. So firstly, it's good news. Secondly, Jesus told us. All right, so we've really, we've really got to listen now. Okay? If, we, if it's impacted our life and we're told to do it, we better, we better start doing it. <laughs> okay. Thirdly, because people need to hear about Jesus. Who told you about Jesus? We're all here because somebody told us about Jesus. Okay. For me, it was uh, these two Christian guys who moved into the flat below me, Danny and Richard. Um, but who told you? Okay. Would you be here now if someone hadn't been bold enough to tell you about Jesus or invite you to Alpha? Would you be here? I know I wouldn't. I'd be still stuck doing some foolishness and, I don't know, be like the oldest clubber in London or something. It'd just be really, really sad. I'd be like trying to walk in like platform shoes and stuff and like rave and things. And um, I'd just be old, man. Just wouldn't look cool. <laughs> ah, so, right, we've looked at why. We all know why we need to go. We all agree why we need to go, yeah? We all agree why we need to tell others. Okay, so now we're going to look at how we should tell others. Okay, the power of persuasion is our key, all right? Persuasion is the way we do it. We try and persuade people of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Paul persuaded people. Um, he didn't go and hit them over the head. Uh, with a Bible, well, he didn't have one, but um, he didn't hit them over the head with the Torah. He persuaded people. So in Acts 18 verse 4, it says, Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. And then in 2 Corinthians 5.11, it says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. So because it's good news, because Jesus told us, we try to persuade others others about the faith that we have in Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everybody who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Okay? Um, I was waiting outside, I think it was Woolwich Arsenal Station uh, a number of years ago, and there were two, uh, two women um, and they were in their late 50s to early 60s. And they're obviously on evangelism from church. It must have been evangelism Saturday or something. And uh, they were talking to a young guy in his mid-20s, I'd say. And um, they were from a different culture. He was British. And they were just bullying him. And they were having a heated argument between the three of them. And it was kind of those two against him. And he was trying to sort of put his point across. And they were trying to put their or force their point on him. And in the end, what they said was, ah, you're just young. You'll learn one day. One day you will learn. And that was the parting comment that they left with this young man. How do you think 
he responded? Do you think that the next day he woke up and said, you know what? I need to get to church because I need to get myself right with Jesus this morning. I, I don't think so either. I don't think so. I don't think so. I know you've never done that because I know you're all amazing at evangelism. But I've done that before. I've been guilty of talking to people like that. I've been guilty of trying to get into arguments to convince people. And it's not gone well. <laughs> it's not gone well. So over the years, I've adapted my style of, uh, of evangelism. And really, what I believe the Holy Spirit was wanting to do today was to set us up so that we fully are in a place where we receive God's love so that we can then impart it to others. That, that's all really this morning was about. It's about getting us into a place where we are fully in right relationship with God, understanding that he completely loves us, so we are free to go out and love those that don't know him. You'll keep hearing me refer to these guys, Danny and uh, Richard. That's all they did. Do you know, they didn't even really talk to me about Jesus. They just loved me. And because I was so starved of love in my heart, it just, it, it moved mountains. My experience of guys to that point in my life, growing up in a pub, was that people wanted things from you, that guys wanted things from you. And um, when I met these two guys, being 21, knowing that they had a pure heart, a motive towards me to love me, literally, it, it, it you know, blew my mind. Even Paul says, this is the most, uh, and now I will show you the most excellent way. That's how he describes love in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, right? He says it's the most excellent way. So we can be all singing, all dancing. We can have an anointing that sort of casts demons. But unless we do it with love, it's not born out of a relationship with Jesus. It's not born out of the right way. And so we need to have that love for people, that love that doesn't judge, but that love that includes that love that sees past sin, that sees past, you know, you could be living next to a witch, you could be, you know, having like witch parties every night, but there's a, there's a need in that person's heart for Jesus. <laughs> there's, there's a desire and a desperation that they need to have met, and you might just be that person. Get Pastor Joe to pray for you first. <laughs> so never has there been such a need in our country. People are hurt, people are broken, and people are struggling. Loneliness is at an all-time high. You know, the breakdown in community, um, the rise of social media. People are just hanging out on Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. That's how people are relating to one another. They are not connecting on a heart-to-heart, face-to-face, love-to-love level anymore. And it is breaking down societies. It's creating mental health problems. It is creating loneliness. Loneliness is at an all-time high. You know, that there are movements springing up to tackle loneliness in our communities because people don't talk anymore. We're all so busy and we're all so bogged down with so many other things. And so people are very, very good at putting on a mask. You know, you see your neighbours every day. Oh, hi, morning, you know, everything's cool. People are good at putting on masks. But deep down inside, people are hurt and they are broken and they are crying out for something that we have. Okay, and we have the opportunity to mingle, to mix with them, and to love them. 
Um, I had these uh, two next door neighbours in a flat that I used to live at, and we shared. Um, we we had a garden, and it was you know separated by a fence. And so if I was out in the garden um, doing stuff, you know, we'd see them or we'd talk over the fence. And um, God told me I needed to love these guys. He specifically told me, "I want you to love these guys." And um, I was like, "Oh wow, okay, this is going to be a bit hard because uh, they seemed like they didn't really want to <laughs> love me." <laughs> And they seemed like they had a kind of set idea of their friendships and their life and didn't seem like there was much room. So actually to love these guys, I had to be fairly sneaky, all right, and fairly cunning. And so I would do, like, you know, we'd have a chat and, um, I don't know, we'd be coming in and they'd go, oh, I love cupcakes, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's nice, that's nice. And I'd be out and I'd think, right, cupcake, cupcake, let me get a cupcake, like a really nice one, and drop it off and leave it at their door. You know, and I would be having to really, really think of things in the conversation um, to really work hard to kind of woo these people. How, how many guys in here have had to work hard to woo their wife? <laughs> if you haven't, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Only a couple of wooers. Okay, we need to work on the wooing in this church, right? I, I know a little bit about wooing because God really made me have to woo these two guys. And it turned out that they were, um, they were in a civil partnership and they had never had a positive experience of God. So do you think that I went round there when I got invited round, because eventually did, because I'm quite good at loving. So I managed to worm my way in there and um, we used to hang out. We became really good friends um, in the end. But do you think I went round there with my Bible and said, right now, I'm going to open the Bible to uh, Romans 2 and we're going to do an, uh, an exposition on what Jesus thinks about homosexuality. I did not. <laughs> because what the Lord told me to do was to love them. And so we have to be open to what the Holy Spirit is telling us. Now, if God did tell me to go and do that, I would have <coughs> gone to Pastor Joe first for some prayer, and then I would have gone around there. But he didn't. What he called me to do was to love them. Now, after a year, they moved on and they emigrated to Australia. But what they said to me was, Lindsay, we are so grateful for your love because we never thought we could be loved by a Christian. Now, I'm not the end of their story, but I've been part of their story. And the thing is, oftentimes with evangelism, because we're taught in church, and it's really, really good that we're taught in church to sort of get out there and close the deal, but that's a different sort of evangelism. That's street evangelism, all right? But actually, when we're relating to people, we don't need to be the start of the main course and the dessert and the entrees and the cheese board. All we need to be is what God is calling us to be at that time. Wow, I got a clap. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, but that's all we need to be. We need to be part of the journey. And you don't know what part of the journey you will fit into for some people, okay? And um, that was it for those guys. I was just a part of the journey. And I, I, one of them was into media studies and website design. And so I passed him on to, um, to Hillsong stuff. Because <laughs> they're very big in Australia. So I started to get him excited about, look at the media on this page. And, you know, who knows what's happened. But um, anyway, I tried, I tried. You've also, you've got to allow people into your lives, all right? I was once told by an evangelist, um, a UK sort of national evangelist. I used to travel with him. And he told me, you cannot get a 10-ton message over a 5-ton bridge, okay? And so what that means is that the gospel is really weighty, okay? <laughs> so you can't give them all the whole meal, like I said, all right? So you cannot do it because what would happen? 
that's it, it would break. The bridge would collapse and there would be nothing there left to sustain that relationship. And so we've got to be really wise and we've got to follow the Holy Spirit when we're seeking to reach out to people. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that these people need? What is it that you would like me to do? What is it you'd like me to speak into the lives of these ones? So unfortunately, that means for some of us, we've got to dial down the Christian language. You know, you know some of us on a Sunday, we, we do love to say, good morning, brother. Good morning, sister. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How are you this morning? I'm well by God's grace. You know, that's all fine. That's all well and good. But you've got to know your audience and you've got to know who you're talking to. And if you go and say that to a, I don't know, a single mum from a, an estate, she's just going to look at you like with her mouth sort of hanging open, gawking. She's not going to know what that means. And so we've got to appropriate our language for our context. We've got to learn to do life with people, okay? We've got to learn to have them over for dinner, for a cup of tea. We've got to have our eyes and ears open to notice where they're struggling, okay? And we've got to let it fit in with our context, right? What I mean by that is if you like going to the gym, don't feel that you need to go and set up a dementia cafe, okay? If you like going to the gym, it's fairly possible that the Lord has a mission field for you in the gym, okay? With other people that like pumping iron and getting big like you. Obviously, you can see I love going to the gym and pumping iron. Um, I like eating, and so what I tend to do is I tend to invite people around for food. Right? That's what I tend to do. So if I see people, I'm like, in fact, I've, I've, I've organized a barbecue <laughs> for, um, for all of the flats in my, in my uh, building because that's how I relate to people, through community, through sharing, through spending time. Um, but it doesn't have to be hard. Oftentimes we think that evangelism has got to hurt because it's for the Lord, this is evangelism, it's got to hurt me, all right? It's got to hurt. Oh, Jesus, give me strength, give me strength. I've got to go out and talk to 10 people today that I don't even like. But actually, God wants to bring non-Christians into our life that are easy, that like the same things that we like, that get on with us, so that we can just do life together with people. You know, God has brought me some amazing friends in Chislehurst where I live. Um, it's really, you know, I just love them. They're just so easy to love because we've got the same sense of humor. We've got similar things going on in our lives and we just enjoy life and we do life together. And I will sow stuff in about Jesus along the way. Some to a deeper level, some to a lesser level, according to where that relationship is at. But most people are one through relationship. They are not one through outreach evangelism. There's a small percentage that are one through that. And um, we all have an amazing opportunity. The body of Christ has an amazing opportunity to be the hands and the heart of Jesus to those that we are near, those that we work with. So we can't all be Reinhard Bonke. We can't all be Andrew Boba. But we can tell somebody our story, okay? We can tell somebody our story because we all have a story. We have all become Christians and we all have a story to tell, okay? And so that's why we're having testimonies every week in this church, to share stories, all right? And so you can always take people as far as you are. You may think, I haven't got much to share. But if you have experienced, if you've given your life to Jesus, if you have experienced him, if you have a measure encounter, you can take people as far as you have gone. You don't have to give them a theology, I don't know, download. Send them to Joe for that. Don't, don't worry. 
you can take people as far as you have gone. Allow people to see your weakness, all right? Now, I'll preface that with don't expose yourself. Don't make yourself feel more vulnerable than you can, right? Or than you should. But people relate to people who are real and who are human. You know, as Christians, we believe in an awesome God. But that doesn't mean to say we're immune from trials, we're immune from struggles. Things go wrong, we make bad choices, life happens. Be vulnerable to a point that doesn't, you know, that you're comfortable with, but be real with people, okay? People don't trust things that seem too good to be true. We have a distrust of that in our culture, all right? And don't feel you need to answer every single question, all right? You don't have to do that. Your story will speak for itself. And you will notice that people are watching. People are watching more than they're listening. They're watching to how you live your life. They're watching to sort of see what you do under pressure. When you go to them and say you've had a really terrible week at work, they're watching how you speak. That's not to put pressure on you. <laughs> be real, be you. But they're watching. And then finally, we pray, all right? We're really privileged to be in a church that prays, a church that is committed to organizing prayer for us, making it easy. You know, never has prayer been so easy. We can join up through technology. It's really amazing. Pray. Get on prayer. Morning, evening, lunchtime. Get on prayer and pray for your friends because without prayer, I wouldn't be here. I had an auntie. Uh, well, I have an auntie. She's the only Christian in our family. And she was a praying woman. And if it wasn't for her praying, she prayed faithfully for 15 years. 15 years to see me saved. Right? 15 years is a long time. But thank God for her faithfulness in prayer. Let's cultivate a faithfulness in prayer for our families and our friends. And pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. So even Paul, he was scared. So in Acts 18, verse 9 and 10, it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So he wasn't, you know, we're not getting beaten with rocks and stones. Or at least I hope not. If you are, we all need to uh, club together and do a prayer walk around your area. But for speaking to people about Jesus, we're not, we're not suffering to that degree. So pray for boldness. Take courage. Attend the School of Evangelism. We put on so much stuff in this church to help you and to facilitate evangelism. Thank you. I'll finish with that. All right. Oh, that was awesome. Come on, give her another hand. Yeah. We've learned wonderfully about relational evangelism. That's just fantastic. Um, before we take communion, I want us to respond to that word. So why don't we just bow our heads?